great future. We're talking real money. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome once again to another exciting end of the week edition of the Talking Real Money podcast, on which I, Don McDonald, your humble host, attempt to answer your questions about money and investing. And uh, let's see, how many of them do we have today for the program? Why, it looks like we're going to do five. All of them, all of them, strangely enough, came in from callers to 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, which is our 24-7 number to call and ask us questions. 855-935-TALK. I doubted myself for a moment. So uh, call in your questions, or you can call us live on Saturday afternoons when we are on the radio in Seattle on Northwest News Radio, answering your questions between 3 and 5 p.m. Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific time. Okay, cool. What else would I was I wanting to tell you? Oh, yeah. Uh, if you like the podcast, follow it on your favorite podcast service. Apple Podcasts, that's the most popular place. For some reason, we have a lot of Apple Podcast listeners. Not so many on Spotify, which surprises me, because for podcasts, Spotify and Apple are neck and neck. But we have a very tiny Spotify audience. I'm not sure why. I've got, as a percentage, I've got a much bigger lit reading audience on Spotify, but not talking real money. And um, let's get started with questions. Let's just do that. These are all called in to 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Hi, Tom and Dom. Dr. P here from King of Prussia, PA, and I have a question where you concerning my son and retirement investing. My son is 26 years old. He's single with an income of 70000 A 401k is offered at his employer, but there's no matching benefit. He has 500 per month to invest for retirement or, you know, about 6000 a year. So we've been talking about this. And my question is, does it make sense to invest the 6000 per year in a 401k plan with no match? Is there an advantage to using the 401k versus a traditional IRA or Roth? I mean, one benefit I see over the 401k plan with respect to the IRAs is 401ks typically have a limiting offering of investment options and no ETFs that I've seen so far. So I see IRAs as an advantage over the 401ks, but realize if you have funds to invest above 6000 then you probably want to use a 401k plan. So I'm interested in your thoughts on this scenario, and thanks very much. Well, Dr. P., it looks like our thoughts align pretty darn closely because I, I am of the same, same opinion. The first $6,000 that you earn unless you get a match in your 401k, should probably go toward a Roth IRA, primarily for the reason you stated, that there tend to be very limited investment options inside a 401k, and there also tend to be, with far, far, far too many plans, extra fees heaped on that aren't 
going to be incurred using inexpensive ETFs through a Roth IRA brokerage account at one of the discount brokerage firms. So I would start with that 6000 every year until he gets to the point where he either has a better 401k or he makes so much more money that he can now contribute and then go to 401411, which is our 401k 403b website, and check and see if his plan is there so you know which are the best options for him there. And if we don't list it, then send it to us at 401411.com and we'll analyze the darn thing. But yeah, it's a pity they don't have a match. Start with the six grand in a Roth IRA because now is the time to get that Roth built up so that he has a, a substantial pool of non-taxable assets when he gets to retirement. So I'm with you. That's the way to go. 855-935-TALK is the number to call to get some answers to pretty important questions for you about how you manage your money. Hi, Don and Tom. This is Mary. I've listened to your show for quite some time and have a comment and a question. The comment is, over the last month, I've had the occasion to call Vanguard a couple of times regarding converting the index funds to ETFs. I know that you've received a lot of bad um, messages from people regarding Vanguard's call service, but mine went very smoothly. They give you the option to get a call back so you don't have to sit and wait on hold. Uh, they actually called back within the time frames and sometimes even earlier, and everything went smoothly. My question to you is this. I converted my index funds to ETFs with the exception of two. And I want to know if you can recommend ETFs to, for these index funds. VWIUX, the intermediate term tax exempt, and VBTLX, the total bond market index fund. Would appreciate your response. Thank you very much. Thanks for your comment and your question. And it's good to hear. I mean, it was, it was, um, there were a couple of newspaper stories about Vanguard. We've heard from several people on the show. Vanguard used to be just so darned good. I mean, they were extraordinary with their service. And, you know, like so many companies, their service went downhill. Matter of fact, <laughs> remind me. And I'll share a story about what I believe to be the worst customers. Oh, speaking of which, they're calling me. So we're going to take a break from that. Hold on. I'm back now, 45 minutes later. Um <laughs> The people calling me. I was just getting ready to talk about how bad the customer service was at Adobe. I use Adobe products like crazy. Um, I edit this podcast in Adobe Audition. I edit the video podcast in Adobe Premiere. I do all the art in uh, either Photoshop or Illustrator. Uh, I, I, I've been using Adobe products for 30-plus years, over 30 years. So I did my original newsletter in Adobe PageMaker. So, um, or it was some other page maker before that, whatever. 
Uh, so anyway, <laughs> just so funny. I was getting ready to talk about my terrible customer service experience that I got a call finally from Adobe uh, senior tech who actually admitted that there's a problem with the software that they're trying to fix and gave me a workaround. But my gosh, it is like pulling teeth. I love good customer service and maybe Vanguard now to get back to our original point, maybe Vanguard now is making a concerted effort to improve their customer service because they've gotten a lot of bad press about it. They've, they've done some things that haven't been particularly impressive. Now on to your question, which is a very good one. Um, switching from the mutual fund format to the ETF can be a good thing. Fees are lower. You don't get realized capital gains. Um, and yeah, there are alternatives to the two funds you're looking at. The, hold on, I got to get my paperwork out because I wrote the numbers down. The VWIUX, which is the Vanguard Intermediate Term Muni. Uh, the equivalent of that, I believe, check with Vanguard, but I believe it's VTEB, the tax exempt bond ETF. Vanguard shows that it is an intermediate term bond fund. So I'm assuming that that's a good replacement. And the other, the VBTLX, the Vanguard Total Bond Index, would be replaced by BND, which is the Total Bond ETF. So those would be the two replacements, I'm pretty sure. And thank you very, very much for your call. Now, let's take another that came into 855-935-TALK. Hi, I was listening to your uh, podcast on Wednesday, I believe it was, when you were talking about bond funds. And uh, I had a question about, uh, you had talked about you can't hold bonds in a bond fund to maturity. And um, I had encountered a uh, offering where it seemed that that was not the case. I believe it's called a corporate bullet bond fund. And the idea, I believe, is that all the uh, bonds in the fund mature within a period of time of each other. Like, I don't know whether it's within a month or within a quarter or whatever, but they, they don't have widely spread out maturity dates. So you get the diversity of lots of different bonds. And it would seem that if this works the way it seems to be uh, suggested it will work, You'd be able to hold them to a maturity if um, if interest rates rise and the value of the bonds crater. Um, I just wondered if you'd ever heard of this and if you thought they were worth considering. I believe they're offered by iShares and by Invesco, and there may be others that have similar funds. But um, if you could speak to whatever it is you know about this, I would appreciate it. I do listen to your program every day. Uh, to your podcast every day. And um, I'll look forward to um, seeing what you have to say about this. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call. The uh, They're called bullet shares. Uh, they And iShares has a version and Invesco has a version. And they are bond funds that mature year by year. They were created to allow investors to create a bond ladder but they're not funds. A traditional mutual fund, which is open-ended, could not do that. And that's why we say mutual funds can't do it. These are relatively new. And they can because they're structured as an ETF. An ETF can have a finite portfolio and exist for a finite period of time like these do. Um, 
from the little bit of research that I've done in, in the past on these, if I remember correctly, the iShares offer more options. I think they have treasury, corporate, and tax-free options, and their fees are lower. Uh, Invesco is 0.1%, and iShares, I believe, is 0.07%, pretty sure. Uh, they're, they're designed for creating a bond ladder. And they may be a very, very good tool for that. Something I've looked at relatively recently and hadn't spoken of, but it's certainly we are. I'm going to think about it and see how they might work and see what the problems might be. But uh, they, it looks like a great solution for creating a ladder without going to all the trouble of buying individual CDs. But remember, when you do it with corporate bonds, you are dealing with some lower quality securities. I looked at the quality, I believe on on many of them, the bulk of the portfolio was in the triple B single A category, which in a bad economy could get in a little trouble. So who knows? Uh, but yeah, we are, I am looking at them. I don't know that the company, I know the company may not be, but I know I have been. So we'll tell you more later. But yeah, bullet share bond funds. Look at the iShare versions if you're interested. 855-935-TALK is our phone number, 8 Five five nine three five eight two five five, and let's go to the next one. Hi, I found your one minute investing advice series on the iTunes podcast site, and I subscribed, and I downloaded them all, and I listened to them all. But I noticed the last one was from October of twenty twenty. So I wonder if there are going to be any more. Thanks, guys. Good job. Take care. Let me know. You know, that's a very good question. Um, I stopped. The reason, I'll give you some background. The reason I started doing the Talking Real Money Minutes was because every day I created a Talking Real Money feature for the radio station we air on in Seattle, which is now called Northwest News Radio. It used to be Como. And so I created these. Then I stopped creating those and stopped putting them up. The other reason I stopped putting them up was because they just didn't get as much interest. There's a lot of work involved, and they didn't get the level of interest that Talking Real Money, the regular podcast, gets. And that's where I really decided to spend the most time. Uh, I think like our best, I think our best day ever for that, for the talking real money minute was, oh, let's look, I can look back here like 15. Oh no. 175 downloads, uh, in a day. Well, for talking real money, we get as many as eight or nine, we, we almost hit 9,000 downloads in a day. So I just didn't get a lot of listenership and it was a lot of work. So I don't know if I'm going to do it. I kind of like them. Uh, if we get a big response, if a lot of people say, hey, I really like those one-minute things, then I may bring them back. But for now, uh, uh, doing a everyday podcast is is plenty, along with a video cast. But thanks for your interest in them. I appreciate it. Again, call anytime, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Here's the next one. Uh, yeah, I have a question about the podcast that you had the other day. It was about um, 
target date funds and some fees and taxable um, um, outcomes that some of the um, target date funds are having. Um, I have the VTTVX and the VTHRX, and I didn't know if you were talking about all of Vanguard's target date funds, and I didn't know if you could explain a little bit more how these fees and taxable fees are incurred and uh, what we could do about it. Thank you. What can you do about it? Let's start with the last question first. Nothing. You can't do a thing about it now. You might be able to change going forward so this doesn't happen again. Here's what happened. And, oh, and by the way, VTTVX and VTHRX, the 2025 and 2030 target retirement funds, were definitely affected by this. Definitely affected. Here's what happened. Vanguard has mutual funds for giant institutions. And it used to be that the minimum for these target date funds for these big institutions was $100 million. Well, Vanguard said, hey, tell you what, we're going to lower the minimum on these to $5 million. Well, a lot of those folks with between $5 million and $99 million had that money in these funds, your funds, the target date 2025, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when that happened, they moved from the target regular target date funds to the institutional funds to get lower fees. When that happened, they were Vanguard was faced with a ton of uh, pressure uh, of of sales pressure. They they had to meet all that cash flow demand, and to do that meant they had to sell stocks or the funds, actually, the funds that make up these target retirement funds. And when they sold those funds, they were way up. They'd been going up for years, and they had a big capital gain that had built up that to you, the client, had been tax-deferred to date. Well, when they actually sell it, that creates a taxable gain. And that taxable gain must be distributed to shareholders. And you will have to pay taxes on it in the year it is distributed, which was 2021. For your VTTVX, you got a 14% distribution. 14% of your money was paid out to you to get taxed on. So depending on your tax bracket, somewhere around 4% of your money vanishes in taxes. You're going to have to pay it to the government. With the VTHRX, it was a 15% distribution. So people are mad because they're paying tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes on larger accounts that they wouldn't have had to pay if there wasn't this run on the bank. If there, if, if, if all these people hadn't sold, forcing Vanguard to sell the mutual funds and realize capital gains. How can you avoid that? Well, one of the things we talked about in that podcast was keeping target date funds in qualified accounts, 401ks, IRAs, Roths, those kinds of things. The other thing you could do is use ETFs, although I don't, I don't know. Vanguard does not have target date ETFs yet. I'm surprised because some of their competitors do like iShares. If you had iShares target date ETFs, you would not 
have had any realized capital gains, no matter how much money came or went from the ETFs. It's just the way ETFs are structured. So, uh, yeah, were you hit? Yes. Can you do anything about it? No, not now, not after the fact. I'm sorry. And now, ladies and gentlemen, that moment has come. The last call of the day. And I was just listening to your podcast um, about Vanguard and their advisory service. Um, uh, my question is, how, how often do you really readjust the, um, the portfolio? Is, uh, the main reason that I went there is because of the costs involved. And I could talk to my advisor. Uh, we used to have it set up where I talked to him once a month, but it didn't seem like that that was really necessary. And it's been a while now uh, since I have set up another time to call him. So my question is, what is the difference between like the service that you offer and the service, the advisory service that Vanguard offers? Because you don't really adjust the holdings um, a lot. So uh, hopefully I've made myself clear. Uh, thanks very much. I, I listen to you guys all the time. I really enjoy the um, your podcast. Vanguard advisors are fine. We have said over and over again that they're fine. They really are. They're They're limited. And that limitation is reflected in the lower fees. But the fees are very reasonable, and if you don't need extra services, then you shouldn't pay for them. But what's the difference between us or other full-service fiduciary advisors in Vanguard? Well, a couple of things. One, the degree of, of product freedom that we have. We are not locked in to any one family. As a matter of fact, we don't use many Vanguard funds in our portfolios. Uh, we we use funds from all kinds of groups, from iShares, from Dimensional Funds, from Avantis, from whomever we believe offers the best fund for the particular purpose. The other thing that we do is more comprehensive. We're, it's When you hire an advisor, if you just need rebalancing, if that's all you're looking for, go with a Vanguard or a, another robo because... You don't want to pay extra for something you don't need. But if you need real planning services, if you need a financial plan, for example, if you need uh, somebody who acts as a, an inter intermediary between you and your other financial advice providers, CPAs, attorneys, all of that kind of thing, if you're looking for someone who will uh, – keep up with whatever the latest research is and is going to move you into those things, who's going to kind of hold your feet to the fire, keep you on course. That's the kind of folks who need a full service advisor. But we believe there is a place for every kind of advice. As a matter of fact, when people are just getting started, you don't even need an advisor. Just get started investing. And then if your needs are small, get a cheap advisor. If your needs are greater, more complex, you're going to need a more full-service advisor. But no gripes about Vanguard generally. It's just the depths of their services and the depths of their of their uh, offerings, so of, the, of the, the products that they can offer you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you all for your great questions and for being a part of the podcast. 
on a nearly daily basis. Again, tomorrow, Saturday, I don't know when you listen to this. You could listen anytime. But every single Saturday, Tom and I get together on the radio in Seattle and do a talk show that becomes a podcast on Monday and Tuesday. And if you prefer to call live to have a conversation, you can call us on Saturdays at 855-935-TALK. Same number. It's just if you call before 3 p.m. Eastern time, it's going to go to the voicemail system. If you call after 5 p.m. Eastern, it's going to go to the voicemail system. Between 3 and 5, we'll talk with you live. And we rarely, as a matter of fact, I think the only time we've ever missed a show was when we were preempted by a football game, which we don't get anymore, or Christmas. That's it. Um, tell your friends, please. Share the podcast on your social media. Uh, if you like us, subscribe or follow us or whatever it is. And please, if you really like what you hear, leave a review at Apple Podcasts. We got a bunch of them this week. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Uh, I'm Don McDonald. Thanks for listening. Take good care. I'm going to go uh, probably read so I can better talk real money. You realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial product or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?